Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. I am your host, JT. Have an exciting episode on tap for you today. Uh, I, I think the term um, being being thrilled about a podcast guest is, is probably thrown out a little too often. I can assure you it's with genuine excitement uh, that we welcome in today's guest. That would be one Tom Coyne, world-renowned uh, golf author, um, senior editor of the Golfer's Journal, host of Lynx Life, uh, the travel series, golf course owner-operator. Tom, I'm going to bring you right in here and ask you, you know, is when you do intros, you know, of yourself to others, is that the hardest part is figuring out, you know, which which title or role that you're going to start with? <laughs> no, JT, you just remind me all the things I have to do today. <laughs> uh, when you went through that list. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. That was a very generous introduction. And, um, yeah, it does remind me that I have my, um, feet in a few different, uh, worlds here, but, uh, all for the best and, uh, excited to talk about some of them today. Absolutely. And, and truly in that introduction, I, I think I even left a couple of things out that we may hit during our, our time today, <laughs> but, um, you know, as I've been hosting this pod over the past three years or so, I oftentimes remind myself that not everybody's as deep down, you know, the golf wormhole as I am, as a, and as a lot of our listeners are. So let's start with maybe a little backstory. Obviously, uh, off the jump there, your your um, literary exploits are probably the thing that you're, that you're most known for. You've published five books, uh, A Gentleman's Game, Paper Tiger, uh, and then into the uh, what is now becoming the, the course called series, uh, a course called Ireland, a course called Scotland, and most recently a course called America. But from a backstory perspective, was, was being a writer kind of always the plan or how did um, kind of your, your upbringing and then uh, the exploration of your career kind of take shape? Yeah. I mean, those are like plan and career are hard words to associate with writing and uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to arrive uh, where I have, where I, I can sort of comfortably use those words, but I still, <laughs> uh, you know, you're only as good as your last book or your last article. So, but no, the ambition was, um, I mean, I was always, uh, you know, from the start, uh, a, a pretty voracious reader. Um, the idea of, of trying to pursue a writing life uh, came sort of later in college for me. So it wasn't one of those things where, um, I, I wrote a lot as a kid, but it wasn't one of those things where I was writing my novels at age 12 and, or, or anything like that. Um, you know, I was in, I was in school and, uh, dropped an economics major to focus on my writing and my, and my English major and, and went to a, uh, and I thought, okay, let's give this a shot. I'd, I'd I had some success at, at that um, very amateur level and thought, all right, I'm going to give this, uh, some time and some, a couple years. So I went to graduate school in creative writing, uh, went and got an MFA in, in fiction writing. So that's the, the interesting thing about this path is that I, I started off, um, I'm a very accidental golf writer that, that my path to this was through a fine arts program, a fiction writing program. I wanted to write the great American novel, and I spent some time in school trying to do that, realizing it probably wasn't in my, uh, it, it wasn't in my bag of tricks just 
just yet. So I did start writing a novel about caddies because uh, I'd grown up caddying uh, at a golf club called Rolling Green outside of Philadelphia and uh, started writing short stories about this this golf prodigy who was a caddy from sort of the other side of the tracks uh, and, you know, sort of wrote this upstairs, downstairs story about life at an American country club. And um, and that was actually my mas- my thesis, my master's thesis. Um, where, cause I was in this program where you had to basically write a novel to, to graduate. So, uh, that those stories turned into a novel and that became a gentleman's game. Um, I was very fortunate to, I said, all right, I mean, I've got, now I have this pile of 400 pages, um, which is what I wanted to get out of graduate school, uh, a manuscript and said, all right, let's try and do something with it. So I, I said, all right, I'm going to live at home and, and, you know, just try to do this for a little while. Um, and was very fortunate in that pretty early on, um, actually a few months out of graduate school, I was able to get an agent, which is sort of the big hurdle for someone wanting to publish, uh, at least at that time, um, before, you know, self-publication and things like that. Right. Uh, that was, you know, the big hurdle of getting a book out. Um, so I, I had a, I had a really good agent. Uh, he sold the book, he sold the film rights and, uh, once that happened, the opportunity to, because the book, you know, was go, was going on to the golf shelf in the bookstores, um, I was sort of suddenly a golf writer and I started to get the chance to write for some different golf magazines. And I resisted, like, I wanted my next book to be like, not golf, huh. um, because, that, and I wanted to write a novel, like, cause that was my training. And so I would, I, I had all these awful starts for a few years and then, uh, realized, well, one, I only really know the other things I, you know, everything I know about the world is, is in the novel. So I need to really go out and do something and experience something. So I have something to share with a reader. Um, and what do I, and the only two things I know anything about at the end of the day are, are golf and, uh, hopefully know a little bit about writing. So, uh, so I stayed on, on that path and that's what brought me to, uh, to paper tiger. Well, I, I was, I've been curious that I've been a reader of, of all your books for, for many years now. Um, knowing that, you know, because of what you learned in the books, your upbringing, you know, had a lot of golf in it, uh, with your, Mm -hmm. your time as your, your dad being a member at Rolling Green, you're working there as a caddy, et cetera. Um, but never knowing if, uh, the plan was always to do golf writing or writing in general. I, um, I find it interesting that, one would assume that it would have been all about golf writing and, and it was not yeah. is, is an interesting tangent. No, I, just, you know, like a happy accident, really, yeah. you know, I, um, and, and, and how and it's worked out well, because, you know, like I said, these are to be able to combine my two passions. Um, it keeps it, you know, people are like, do you ever get bored of golf or, or of golf or this, that, and the other. And, and as you can see, uh, we're looking at each other's screens and that my, my <laughs> office is like being in a golf clubhouse. Um, and do you get tired of it? And, and no, because I mean, they're two endlessly challenging pursuits and they're two pursuits that like you almost show up every day afraid that you're not going to be able to do it and not in a negative way. I mean, in an exciting way and, 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 and like that you have to prove yourself again and again and again, that you're always challenged, you know, like, the blank page is a lot like the first T, you know, and, uh, and there's that, that intimidation of like, okay, I've been here before. I sort of know what I'm doing. Uh, but how is this going to go? And you know, that's, 
that's exciting. So no, I, I never get bored of it. Uh, I, I have so much growing and to do as a writer and even, you know, though I've, I've been around a little while, I still have so much I want to, you know, so many ways I want to improve as a golfer as well. Well, I want to go with kind of the impetus I would say for, uh, having you come on, which was the, you're still out golf book club just did our review of a course called America and, um, would encourage folks to check that episode out episode 194, where we take a deep dive into Tom's most recent book. And, uh, it details where you, uh, went out and played 295 courses across the United States. Um, I think that, um, a big, uh, a big challenge, uh, in figuring all that out versus the ones that you wrote on Ireland and Scotland is just the pure geographic, craziness of, of doing that and you managed to cover an astounding amount of them in the in the book I mean it's it was amazing to me how you were able to to weave in and out of different courses uh, a question we talked about on that book review pod was you know even though we covered you covered a ton of it was there a course you wish you were able to kind of write more about but just in the nature mm-hmm. of word counts um, and trying to fit that into 400 pages that uh, you wish you'd have more time on uh, there's so many. And and first, thank you for, for choosing the book for, for the book club. And uh, sorry, I couldn't get on sooner or, or jump on to that. That's, that's very cool of you to do. Um, gosh, so many, uh, you know, like you said, there's, and there's so many that I hear from people where like, why didn't you go to this? Or why <laughs> right. didn't you write about that? You know? And, and I, and I'll say like, I actually did go there. It just didn't, it just didn't fit into the story. Um, courses, you know, off the top of my head that I wish I'd been able to write more about. Um, there were a lot of courses, uh, I mean, there were, gosh, I don't know. I don't, I don't even work where, where they begin and end, you know, uh, because the idea of playing so much golf, it wasn't so that I would write about every golf course. It was, right. it was just a matter of, I want this to be as thorough an exploration as it can be. And, and so I don't know if at this next course um, that someone has told me I need to visit because it's this great representative course of Donald Ross or something, whatever, whatever the reason was for the course to make the list, you know, maybe that's the golf course where I find the character or the insight or something that, that, that is going to make the whole book. Um, so it, it wasn't so much a golf tour. And then I said, Oh, I'm going to give folks, um, I'm going to describe 300 courses and give them the experience of, of playing them. Um, that's never the ambition. It's never been the ambition with any of my books. Um, I mean, there, I think to some element and there's some element of it that they can work as like course guides or, or books that help you plan a trip or something like that. But sure. I look at the golf as me doing research and looking for characters. Um, and, and the, the courses that make it into the book are the ones where I find those characters. And a lot of them were unexpected. Like I didn't expect to spend so much time writing about like courses in, you know, a golf course in Montana or a golf course in the Navajo nation, you know, places that became like that, that ended up getting whole chapters when, when people would say, well, Hey, you played, um, you played uh, Oakmont and it gets like a paragraph where you played this, that, you know? Um, so if, if you're coming to it uh, to read the review of, of your particular golf course or to get like heavy hole by hole analysis and stuff like that, that's, that's just 
there are people who do a better job of that than I do. Um, and and you can probably find all those things online. I mean, my goal with, with these stories is always, I mean, it goes back to my training as a fiction writer. They should read like novels and, and novels are built around characters and problems. And so if I, where I found characters and where I found problems or people dealing with problems or challenges, uh, you know, those are the places uh, that end up in the story. Well, and on the point of it not being a, um, you know, a 300 golf course guide, even as a very, very well-rounded writer, there's only so many things you can say about golf courses and describing them, certainly with the written word. And you do need to, um, you know, lean heavily on the story of a place uh, because there's only so many, you know, you know, drivable par fours, template holes, et cetera, that you can, that you can describe. And so it, uh, it makes sense that the courses were the, were the backdrop for the stories. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's the biggest challenge of, of doing this, uh, if you know, golf writing. And that's why I would, I'm and, and, and not, I, I consider myself and, and any great golf writer, you know, a writer first, and, and, and I'm, I'm not calling myself a great golf writer. That came out funny. But anyone who um, is able to convey something important uh, about life or life experience through golf, you know, they're, they're a writer. It, it's not you're, you're a golf writer. Because if you're a golf writer, it feels like your job is just, okay, I've got to come up with another synonym for pure or i've got to come up with a new way to describe what a, a five iron feels like when you hit it off the middle or or i've got to describe another word for uh for green you know like it's yeah. it's just those are the traps and the challenges that you find yourself getting into when you start getting really deep on describing golf holes and rounds of golf and golf shots and the way to stay out of that i think as a writer is to rely on what makes good writing good which is dialogue characters drama conflict all those things now, the awesome thing about golf is that it's full of all those things. You know, that you're going to get stories, you're going to get jokes, you're going to get life experience. People tend to talk to you more and about open up about more things generally on a golf course. Um, and of course, there's always the the challenge of um, and the problem of, of inherent in golf, which is that it's an absurd endeavor. You're trying to put a tiny little ball into a hole that's five football fields away with a stick. Uh, so, so that you have endless numbers of problems and challenges there. So golf is a tremendous backdrop, but I would say that anyone who's endeavoring to say, I want to be a golf writer, um, think of yourself as a writer, uh, first and, and work on the craft of, of writing. Um, and that's honestly just to go off on a tangent, why I don't outside of like you say with my work with the golfers journal, um, which is a lot of my time. Um, but aside from that, I don't read golf. Um, so aside from golfers journal and, and Twitter, um, I think that keeps me pretty full on, uh, on my golf prose and sometimes poetry. Uh, otherwise I'm, I read books that, that don't have anything to do with golf because I, I'm interested in, you know, senses and, um, and I think, you know, some, you know, the, the best crafters of sentences, um, sometimes they're, they've been in golf, but, uh, I usually look elsewhere. Yeah, well said. I think that um, drawing inspiration from other places besides golf would help with uh, those descriptors and ways to to bring out stories uh, within golf. And you you mentioned you know, that being a backdrop for 
for finding these characters and, and building new relationships um, and raising some of those characters, you know, profiles throughout the book. I think that uh, one character that uh, everybody knows and uh, you highlighted in the book was um, through your relationship with Brian Doyle Murray, who if you don't mm-hmm. know that name, that would be um, Lou, the Caddyshack master from Caddyshack, to name one of his parts. But his famous brother, one Bill Murray, uh, a course called America, I believe details your, your first time meeting Bill, and I think you've since gotten to know him pretty well. Um, yeah. We've got to ask you, you know, give, give us your, uh, the best Bill Murray story that you can, maybe that you can tell on air. <laughs> well, you know, the best one I think is probably in the book meeting him because that, uh, but there are others I can share. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was an incredible and interesting and, sh- and strange part of the story. <laughs> um, and when I went to go play Prairie Dunes and I knew I had known that Brian, so Brian, my relationship with Brian goes back to a gentleman's game. When that was made into a movie, Brian Doyle Murray played a caddy in that movie, which was an, an incredible thrill for me. I mean, here's the guy who wrote Caddyshack and is Lou the caddy master. Now I'm hanging out with him and he's, and he's a caddy in this story that I imagined. I mean, I was like 25 years, 24, 25 years old. I mean, it was insane. I, I wish I had a little more age so I could fully appreciate how sure. cool that was. Anyway, Brian and I kept in touch over the years. And I, I knew that he had moved to Kansas city. He uh, married a woman who was going to Kansas state. So we joined Prairie Dunes. And um, so I hit him up to, to say, Hey, like I'm coming through. I want to put Prairie Dunes on the list, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let's do it. And we set it up. And then right before um, I, we were set to, to arrive, he said, you know, uh, Billy's going to come. And uh, I said, ah, that's, okay if you must uh so that was cool i mean i'd spoken like bill i'd spoken to bill on the phone before he did a very generous blurb for my irish book and um but it was my first time meeting him and it was uh and as detailed in the book uh it, it's a it's a pretty interesting weekend we spend the weekend together in a in a cabin at prairie dunes it's very cold we go out and play in the cold and uh, he wants to get, um, a massage afterward and Prairie Dunes isn't the kind of place that has like a spa. Right. It's very much not that kind of place at all. Uh, but by some, you know, things happen when you're hanging out with Bill Murray and, um, and they were able to locate a masseuse who came to our cabin and, um, and I just remember moving around furniture to make room for a massage table so that Bill and I could get massages, uh, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, I'm moving a couch with Bill Murray for the <laughs> massage table. I'm like, what the hell is going on in my, like what happened to my life? And, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty nuts. Um, but the cool thing that happened there, uh, one, we had a lot of fun and, and two, you know, Bill knew my Irish experiences and, and, and knew that book. And, and we talked about doing a trip to Ireland. He wanted to go back and bring family and you know bring his sons and brothers and and i was like hey you know I'll, i'm happy to build that trip for you so um we got COVID interrupted a little bit on that one but eventually did make that trip with 20 people cousins sons like just this giant murray clan wandering around ireland uh for 10 days and and that i mean was uh an amazing adventure and and and, and so that yeah that friendship is is you know, we've, we've played a lot of golf since then. And, um, 
you know, been down to, we're heading down to Ohupi next week. Um, he lives in Charleston, so we'll, we'll play, you know, he's a member at Yemen's. We'll go there and, and, and make some stops along the way down to Ohupi. So very, that's We did that last year. It's super fun. And, uh, visit old Barnwell where, where I just joined and, um, which is an extraordinary, extraordinary place. So, so that'll, that'll be a fun trip. Um, I was down in Charleston, I think two years ago. Um, now, yeah, two Christmases ago. And I was doing a talk at, um, the Charleston music hall as a fundraiser for the Muni in yep. Charleston. And, um, Andy from the fried egg was very generous to, uh, to MC it. And we did like a Q and a Q&A thing. Uh, so that was in Charleston. So I stayed at bills and, or no, that time I did, I stayed, I was staying nearby and, um, we, uh, we went and had dinner and the night before and came back to his place and there was like a guy in the kitchen. Um, and we're like, what's going on? And he's like, oh yeah, this is my stretch guy. Uh, who was like <laughs> waiting for Bill for a stretch, stretching appointment. It was like eight o'clock at night. And, um, but Bill's very generous and he was like, Hey, why don't you get a stretch? And, and I brought another friend with me, uh, who was in town for the event, um, who was like, what's going on? Like one, I, why am I in Bill Murray's house? And, uh, now I'm getting stretched. And, uh, so I actually, I went and got stressed and stretched. And then Bill's like, Hey, to my buddy, Paul, he's like, you know, do you want to drink or something? All he, I think all he had was vodka. So he gave Paul like a, a fine glass of vodka and, uh, and Paul's like sitting there watching the UConn game with Bill, whose son coaches. I'm getting stretched out uh, in the other room with a fire going. Um, just uh, pretty, um, pretty interesting. Uh, another one of those moments where you're like, "This is this is different." Um, and uh, and that's the kind of you know we we had a great and it was a, it was a great time we had a, it was a good event and the, in fact the really wild thing was the next day after the day after the talk um he's like hey i just got a call that that chevy's in town and he's Whoa. doing a tour of uh, national lampoon's christmas um where they would show it and then he would do a q a afterward and i guess he does that at christmas um like a tour around the country and he was in Charleston. So, so Bill was like, so I think we're going to meet, I'm going to meet him for breakfast. Do you want to come? And like, obviously I want to come. He's like, okay, I'm not sure if it's happening or not. So if I, uh, if you get a call by seven 30, it's happening. If you don't, it's not. Um, and, and it's because Bill does like, you know, likes to keep it spontaneous and, uh, clearly, and so I was like, clearly. Great. yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, great. So I'm like sitting there, you know, seven 30 waiting for the, for the phone to ring and, and it does. And he's like, where are you? And I was like, I'm sitting here waiting for you to call me. He's like, well, I'm in the lobby. Let's go. I'm like, okay, geez, we're doing it. So she grabbed my stuff, jump in the car and went to, and he was actually staying, uh, Chevy was staying at Yemen's and, um, in one of the cottages there. So we went and had breakfast, um, sitting outside on the patio with, uh, I had breakfast with Bill Murray and Chevy chase. And that is, uh, an, another moment where you're sitting there. I don't think I touched my food. I just sat there and listened to them and was just like, this is insane. Like, this is literally crazy. Um, but that was very generous of him to invite me to, to do that. And, um, and we got to the like end of breakfast and I was going to miss my flight and that was fine. Like, I'm not interrupting this. I'll, I'll, I'll get home somehow. But Bill turns to me, he's like, don't you have a flight? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I think I missed it. 
And uh, he's like, no, no, it's like, you know, it's like half hour. He's like, no, we'll make it. So um, we jump in his car and zoom across town. And he just pulls up like right onto the curb and, uh, you know, where you can't park and, um, you know, grabs and he grabs my luggage or my golf bag. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, no, there's this long line, obviously, to check in. He's like, no, we got this. And he just walks right up to the front. You know, it's Bill Murray. The Bill Murray, part. right. And uh, everyone's like, Bill, what's up? And, you know, he lives in Charleston, so everyone knows uh, he's around. And um, and he just, like, threw my bag up onto the onto the scale and was like, good luck. And, like, took off. And, <laughs> and I made my flight. And uh, and that was cool. And everyone was happy to see him. It wasn't, like, a big shot thing. It was just like, all right, this dude's late for a flight. And uh, and everyone was, was cool about it. Um, and... Uh, yeah. So there's, you know, fun, interesting things happen. I mean, the best and most interesting thing about being with Bill is the way you watching the way that people react to him and, and the way that he treats people, which is, um, he, he has an awareness. I think that he has a chance to, he can, he can make your day. And if you don't expect him to, he usually will. Um, and that's, that's always cool to see. Yeah. I think that, I mean, you went, that was like at least four examples of how awesome it must be to be buddies with the most kind of famous non-golfer golfer, probably in, uh, at least in America. <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, he's a, he's a true national treasure. And, uh, yeah, that story in the book, um, is a great one about, uh, uh, and in the impromptu massage. And it sounds like, you know, Bill's into that with the stretching, you know, he's got, got to, got to keep things right for all that, uh, all that travel and, uh, that he does. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. He travels a lot and he, he tries to play as much golf as he can. And so he's very focused on, you know, physical conditioning. We were at Chichesi Creek and he had like those um, inflatable leg things that you put your legs in yeah, and pump yeah. them up, to, you know, like, so we're all sitting there and the, and we're taking turns, getting our legs inflated, um, sitting around the television. Um, he's got a lot of good contraptions for that stuff. So it's fun to travel with him because, you know, um, I already pre-booked our massages for old Barnwell down, down in Aiken. Uh, cause I know that's, that's, that's part of the deal, but, um, which, which is very nice. It's, it's nice to get that a little bit of, um, a little bit of comfort and luxury, but, um, I'll share news here that I haven't really shared very widely. And this might transition to something we were going to talk about later, but in the golf course that I'm operating, um, we are purchasing the course, um, and uh and bill's one of uh, of the is going to be one of the owners oh he's wow he's my one of my partners uh it's bill and um and mike madden um who people probably saw a lot on thanksgiving uh, a lot of tributes to his dad john madden uh they did a lot of great stuff on fox and 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 the different uh pre-game coverages on thanksgiving so um so i've gotten to know mike well through golf um over the years and uh so mike bill and myself are uh are partnering to go in on the golf course and uh, exciting things ahead well as a a, a very well respected podcast host yourself you know all about segues and that was my next segue was talking about i, know, I, I teed you up there yeah great job uh, i think that you know something like getting to be friends with Bill Murray to play all these golf courses. Obviously there's a lot of different things that you never thought would uh, kind of happen through leveraging this, you know, writing career, living out some dreams and aspirations. Um, and so, yes, another dream that a lot of golfers have is owning their own golf course. And here you are mm. 
um, your career has taken you down that road. So, you know, Sullivan County Golf Club is the golf course that you are referencing being the operator and, and now owner of. So give us, give us a short bit of the backstory there on how it came about. And, um, that was a, already an update on the current status of having the ownership yeah. group form. I know uh, I, 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 uh, I cut to the, I really cut to the chase. That's there. the, big uh, time. the, uh, it, yeah, it's all your dreams and nightmares come true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, everyone wonders, yeah. What if I had loan golf course? So, um, I mean, it basically came from the, 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 this wonderful greenskeeper, Sean Smith, uh, if you know him on Twitter as Gorse Nod, uh, or actually now on threads, I guess. Um, in any event, uh, Sean is a, is a great guy, but I didn't know him other than his Twitter handle. And, uh, I got a DM saying, Hey, there's this golf course in the cat skills. That's a hundred years old. It's going to close this year. And do you know anyone who would be interested in it? Um, or any architect friends or anything like that? Um, he didn't expect me to get involved, maybe to write about it or share with, I have an architect partner, Colton Craig out of Oklahoma, if he was interested in doing something with it, et cetera. So, um, Sean was basically trying to save the golf course at the time I had a book deal, uh, uh, done, but without a subject, um, with, with Simon and Schuster and, you know, it was just a, a deal for a golf book, uh, and we were working on the idea and I thought, wow, this, what if this is the idea? What if it's like we bought a zoo? Like, what if I can get involved and actually help run this place and see what it's like to run a golf course? So that was the idea. And we nego- the owners were fantastic. They wanted it to stay a golf course. They just couldn't really make it work. They weren't golfers necessarily uh, or weren't in the golf business for sure. Um, so they said, hey, you can have it for a year. Um, you got to pay everything the carrying costs, the, the electric, you know, it's, it's all going on you as long you know, you can have it for a year if we're not, if we don't spend $0 on this. Uh, so I said, what the hell, you know, even though the place was losing money, let's, uh, let's give it a shot. It was sort of a put your money where your mouth is moment where, you know, golf is, um, uh, you know, it's a chance to get on the other side of like, instead of enjoying and receiving golf, it was a chance to like, let's try our hand at, creating and providing golf yeah. and, and see what that would be like. And, uh, and it was, um, and it was quite, it was quite an adventure. I mean, I was involved in, uh, it was terrifying to start cause I didn't know the place. It's three hours from Philadelphia. I didn't know the area. I didn't know anyone there except for Sean. Um, suddenly I'm employing, you know, seven or eight people and, uh, who are looking to me for like what's going to happen here. And, um, so, you know, we, but we quickly got to work. I mean, Sean was, had a really good vision for what he wanted to do. We just needed equipment and thank God Toro stepped up and helped us out and we needed inputs and thank God Aqua Trolls helped us out and Holderness and Born helped us out on the merch side. Um, uh, Yeti helped out. Like there were just, I, I basically pulled in all the favors that I could <laughs> from over 20 years of working in right. golf. Um, and, and people were interested in helping save this place. It had been around a hundred years and, and this community, I mean, that's really what the story is going to end up being about. Uh, the book is called a course called home. Um, and it, it, it's really about this place. Uh, I mean, this is the lower Catskills. The, it's called the Borscht Belt. It would have been where all the great Jewish resorts of the 50s and 60s and 70s were. It's basically where Dirty Dancing um, 
would have taken place. Yeah, I was going to tell folks dirty dancing to get them a yeah, sense, a sense yeah. of so place. Yeah, so is yeah right around the corner, which is no longer there. That that would have been the inspiration for dirty dancing. So that's the kind of world we're talking about. That you know, in 1960, there were more hotel rooms in Sullivan County than any county in America, uh, and now it is. Um, there are you know a few, a handful, and all the resorts are closed. Um, maybe save one. Uh, so, you know, going into that environment and, and, you know, this golf course that was one of the original Catskills golf courses where we found cards from the Waldorf Astoria saying, if you're staying at the Waldorf Astoria, we will show for you to Sullivan County golf club to play mountain golf and all these things like this incredible history. Um, like so much had closed and been lost in this part of the world. Uh, you start to like, feel like, it, it, this is more than just a like, hey, shucks, let's see what it's like to drive a mower. You know, that this really kind of, this place matters, even beyond golf. Um, and so uh, that's how we really got invested in it in every way uh, and, and how we've gotten to where we are now. Well, I think even before this experience, um, knowing your writing and, and knowing quite a bit about you, you, you already had an appreciation for the, the superintendents of the world and what it takes to make a golf course um, operate well and, and be pristine, et cetera. Uh, I'll tee you up for the obvious question here. I, I assume you have an even more appreciation when you're at other golf courses now that you uh, have been literally in the mowing seat, uh, behind the pro shop desk, et cetera, um, there at Sullivan County. Yeah. I mean, I worked in the shop a little bit when I was a kid, but that was at a member's club. And, you know, I was mostly washing clubs and watching the shop when the pro went to lunch. But so this was, this was completely different, like working, uh, taking input from members about everything, um, working, getting on, yeah, getting on a machine, getting on, seeing which machines working that day or, or what's broken down and what needs to be fixed and, and what's leaking or, or did we order gas or, you know, why haven't they picked up the trash? You know, there's, there's, there's so many things to be concerned about, worried about if, if you let them, you know, worry you, uh, are, are I had to keep reminding myself that like just this place being open at all is, is winning. Um, I also had to change my expectations for what I thought a golf course should be, you know, um, I've been very fortunate to play some pretty fancy joints right. and uh, wow. Sullivan County is a nine hole public golf course in the Catskills and it has incredible character and great history and it's very fun to play, but it doesn't need to be conditioned like a country club. And frankly, it shouldn't be because right. if, if you want country club golf, you should go to your country club, which is great. And that's great golf. Um, but if you want something a little more different, maybe a little more rugged and on a landscape that is going to be like nothing you've probably ever golfed before. You know, that's what we have to offer. And I had to stay focused on that. So I, I had to like it, you know, progress, not perfection. And, um, and know that like, okay, I have a staff of, I have two on my greens crew. I had a couple guys part-time on top of that. And then me when I was there, so there's only so much you can do, even though there's only nine holes to maintain. Like, you know, the, the fairways aren't going to get cut every day. Um, you're going to have dandelions. You're going to have, it's, it's going to feel more rugged and more natural. And I had to embrace that. Like, and there were times, you know, like in the middle of the summer, I went and played my, my buddies at like Philly cricket. So we went and played the member guests there. So I'm there for like four days and then come back 
uh, to Sullivan County and I want to cry, right? Because I'm just like, we'll never be that good. And then you realize, like, that's not, we're not trying to be Philadelphia Cricket Club. Our membership costs $400, you know, like, um, my, our, our goal is to, is to make golf possible and to make it accessible and to make it as good as it can be with what we have. Um, and that's all we have to do. Uh, now with the investment that we're getting with the new ownership and the interest from different partners and the help of Colton Craig and, and his, and, you know, our architecture firm, um, there's some pretty exciting changes coming to Sullivan County. Um, it's going to go from being like just a place to play golf in a beautiful setting to be, it's, it's going to be a place to play really, really good golf, uh, in a, an extraordinary setting. Uh, the setting's actually going to get a lot more pop, uh, with the changes we're making. Um, I mean, the things we have going for us is incredible topography and great views. And so any hole that didn't take advantage of that, like we were happy to turn into say like a driving range or something like we're going to add that mm-hmm. we're going to different amenities, a restaurant. It's, it's, we want to make it like a place. I mean, we're a hundred miles from Manhattan, you know? Um, and since the Hamptons are too damn expensive anymore <laughs> and there's so many people coming West now that, that since COVID instead of just going East, uh, you know, we really hope to create a very cool, bring your dog, have fun, um, chill out on the, on this giant new patio with the outdoor bar next to the first tee and just have fun. And, and, and that's, um, what we have going for us and what we're going to try to keep, um, keep developing and, and, and sharing with people. Well, the early direction that it's taken, uh, again, viewing it from afar, it is one that um, is kind of the what you wish every uh, local nine-hole public course was able to do with somebody like you. And, yes, the favors that you have, uh, to put, uh, use your words, have called in to actually make it happen. And so it's a very it, it's a very interesting thing to follow, and it'll be an awesome book to read. I would encourage folks to go, I think it's Sullivan County Golf dot com is the website and uh i think so yeah if you google solomon county golf you can check it out you can get in time for christmas you can get a membership for a non-resident is 400 bucks and we'll send you a signed membership certificate in time for the holidays so um jt assuming this drops before christmas as a podcast host i know it's always awkward when anyone talks about <laughs> but everybody t- time stamps something this will drop time before christmas things. so there is still time <laughs> like, folks when you're talking about thanksgiving and it ends up airing in february <laughs> this is actually our super bowl uh, episode tom uh but uh, exactly right in time for super bowl um but yeah go check it out it's uh you know the gift of membership and that, that was really overwhelming when we opened up this I mean, yeah, I had some cheat codes certainly this year um, that maybe someone who wasn't in golf wouldn't be able to utilize to right. to help. Of course, um, you know, I mentioned some of those partnerships and you know, and, and social media and whatnot, and being able to get you know, they never had a non-resident member there before, and we ended up with over two hundred, I think two hundred fifty. Um, we had members from Ireland, England, California, Texas, you know, people who probably aren't ever going to get there, but wanted to be a member of a club, wanted to be part of this adventure, wanted to have USGA handicapping services, which we offer. Um, and so that's been, uh, that's been amazing that the larger golf community has supported it and in the way that it has. And I please pray that they continue to do so um, because there are only so many golfers in Liberty, New York, uh, what a great town, Liberty, New York. Who wouldn't want to lo- belong to a golf club in Liberty, New York? Um, and so, 
you know, we do need help from from folks uh, in Philly and Boston and New York and New Jersey and and even farther. Afield. Yeah. Well, I think people, um, golfers specifically, you know, travel quite a bit, and um, New York's a place that a lot of folks get in and out of, and um, it being yeah. so close, it uh, it's a way to make it. You know, there's buddy trip possibilities. There's taking advantage of that non-resident membership. There's all sorts of ways to to connect with it. And it, again, I think it's just another one of the very cool stories in golf um, that have really come about because of folks like you that have taken a time, interest, and effort in, in making golf what we kind of all want it to be. So I think that you've mentioned really a couple times already your your business partnership with Colton Craig, your architecture yeah. firm, uh, Craig & Coin. Wanted to spend just a few minutes talking about that. You know, I think for most folks that was probably a natural um you know, bridge for you being so into golf courses and seeing so many that uh, golf course architecture and design that business was, uh, you know, a pretty natural bridge. But I'm, you know, I think everybody's curious. Uh, talk about that partnership, how it came about, yeah. and uh, kind of the foray, if you will, into golf course design. Yeah. So I met Colton, Colton Craig, when uh, I was doing the America book, and he'd been looping at uh, Southern Hills. And so he caddied for me at Southern Hills when I came through there and, uh, and we hit it off and we'd been in touch before that. And he was like heading the Perry created the Perry Maxwell society. And, and for his graduate work, he went and played every Perry Maxwell golf course in existence. And so we had like a lot of like golf, crazy kinship. And, um, and so we kept in touch and, and he was just sort of dipping his toe and getting into doing some architecture and some smaller jobs and some sm shorter courses and backyard courses and things like that. Um, got a few bigger jobs and, you know, then COVID hits and then, uh, and now we're in this sort of building boom. Um, so anyway, we kept in touch and the idea of like partnering um, pretty early on in the discussion was like, wouldn't that, that would be really, really cool. Um, well, I mean, because one, Colton is is young. He's really smart. He's incredibly creative. He sees things. Um, I mean, not just you know they say architects see things in the land. Well, he he does that, but he also just has like uh, just ideas you wouldn't expect for like what to do with the pro shop and and what to do with the branding and what to do with um, okay if we put a putting course here, uh, that's going to bring more people in to eat and you know use the restaurant. So very thoughtful and smart. And, uh, and so I was like, Hey, this, this could be a good partnership knowing that I bring, um, the only thing I bring to, I can't read a topo map. The only thing I bring to the table is, um, I've seen a lot of golf courses, um, and do happen to know a fair amount of people in golf. Um, but uh, he decided that would be useful enough. Um, and, and, and it's been good, especially since, like I said, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot going on in, in golf building construction design and, and rebuilds and redesigns and stuff like that. So, uh, Colton is busy as hell. Uh, he's bouncing around the country. Um, I'm gener basically my job, I think is I sort of generate, try to generate some leads for him, um, get involved whenever I can. I mean, I've been on sites and, and, and walked through holes with him and we've come up with ideas together, which I actually, I didn't think I'd be able to do just cause you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not trained in, in, in landscape architecture and, uh, and again, can't read, I, I, I can read, <laughs> he can read a topo map, but I'm not going to really tell you which, what that means about where you should put the green. Right. Right. Um, but I, you know, in walking these sites, 
it's been actually really cool. Like, like I am seeing things and saying, okay, well this should be more like this and less like this. And, um, being able to see things from a player's perspective, but you know, as well, someone who is, um, seen a fair amount of golf. So I, I hope I'm bringing something to the table and, uh, and it's exciting. I mean, we're, we're, we're it, 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 you know, touch wood, there are some big things coming down, down the, down the, uh, the old pipeline. And, uh, and, and that's great because, you know, as, as much as people want to work with, um, you know, all the names that, you know, uh, there's an opportunity for folks to be involved in say, like some of the first, um, Craig and coin golf courses, uh, which means very little right now, but we hope that in 20 years that it, it does mean something. Yeah. I think that that is the exciting part, right. Is to, to look ahead or to think ahead to the future and, um, you know, where 25 years ago, like the whole, uh, Cora Crenshaw, that wasn't a household thing. Um, and, uh, looking back on some of the early work that they did, I think it's going to be akin to what uh, you and Colton are doing. I've, I've followed it pretty closely and uh, I'm excited, excited for yet another, um, you know, offshoot of your amazing golf life, uh, Mr. Coin, to, to continue Thank to you. develop. I know we're uh, a lot of folks very, uh, very envious of all the, the fun things you get to do. And we appreciate you sharing so many of those via, via your writing. I know we're uh, kind of up against our time here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to leave our listeners with this. Um, what, what is your idea of the perfect golf day? Mm. The perfect golf day. Yeah. Well, I'll start with it's got to have a lot of golf. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> the perfect golf day for me. Definitely is more than 18 holes. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just start there. And I don't mean 18 holes and then play, a, you know, a short course like 36. I mean, the perfect golf day for me is probably a June or July day in Scotland or Ireland. Good weather, enough sunlight to where you can play maybe 54 holes. Um, so, all right, full Irish breakfast, golf, lunch, golf, dinner, and, and, and chasing the, the midnight sun, if you will, um, that for me, and, and of course you have to have good company. So, um, it would be, uh, you know, it, I would say if my dad was playing, obviously you'd say dad, you know, if he was playing, he couldn't play 54 holes though. <laughs> so maybe dad for the first 18. Um, but you want to be with your, your, you know, good golf buddies. Um, the people who you can give a hard time to and talk trash and, and there's going to be a little action and all that good stuff. So yeah, there has to be something on the line. It has to be a lot of golf. And for me, it's probably in Scotland or Ireland. Um, and I say a lot of golf, like, Cause like, I don't like party when I golf anymore. Right. And, and so like the perfect golf day for me, isn't like, Hey, let's play 18 and sit by the campfire for six hours. <laughs> That's like, I, I did that. And, uh, but for me, a golf trip is I, I, I golf my brains out. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's about as playing as much as I can. Um, and, uh, and, and playing with people with whom you can just absolutely be yourself. Ideally, you're the kind of person who can do that with anybody. I, I hope I'm getting there. I'm probably not there yet. Um, but, you know, playing with folks who uh, who know you, who you don't have to chit-chat with 
um, who you can talk to if you want to and not talk to if you want to. A good golf day for me, honestly, is like, it's not too chatty. I, I talk enough in the rest of my life right. that um, that I, I'm not out there. Sometimes you, I hear that like from caddies at like my club or, or people are like, wow, you just, you don't talk a lot, do you? Um, I don't know if they're what they expect, but uh, if I'm playing, like I'm usually, I'm almost always grinding. And, uh, and that's really what I'm, what I'm there to do. Like I want to, I want to play well. So, um, so maybe I'd be boring to play with. So nobody would want, then that's, that's fine. Uh, yeah. But a day where you can have a conversation or you don't have to have one either. And you can just be out there doing what you love to do. Uh, that's, that's a good golf day to me. And you're, you're my kind of golf sicko saying the best kind of the perfect golf day is 54 holes of golf, which means, you know, we're, we're hitting the summer solstice pretty, pretty hard over, uh, over on the links, uh, of the UK, Tom, uh, truly, uh, I think I asked you for 45 minutes for a little over that. I, I, I could, you're a guy, I think a lot of folks could talk to for hours and maybe that's why when you're out there playing golf, you like to be a little more quiet, but, uh, I can't thank you <laughs> enough for taking the time to be with us. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe sometime next year, once things are uh, a little bit further down the road at Sullivan County, we'll have you back on and get a little bit of an update. Oh, I'd love that JT. This was really fun. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, folks, you heard Tom's, um, description of the perfect golf day. We would encourage you to Get planning as 2024 is coming up. Plan your golf trips, plan your golf days, and as always when you do it, get outside and enjoy the walk.